Will you please welcome our guest moderator, comedian, actor, and host of Bug, Adam Buxton. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Nice to see you. I'm Adam Buxton. Uh, and I'm here today to talk to a screen and stage actor, equally comfortable and impressive in both independent uh, films and big budget blockbusters. He's worked with cinema legends like Werner Herzog and David Lynch, William Friedkin and Oliver Stone. And he's cornered the market, I think it's safe to say, for the portrayal of intense and unhinged characters in productions like Boardwalk Empire uh, and Bug, the amazing film Take Shelter, in Iceman, or The Iceman, directed by Ariel Vroman, he plays real-life psychopath, I think it's safe to call him a psychopath, Richard Kuklinski, a contract killer who murdered over 100 people between 1948 and 1986 in order, so he said, to support a wife and two daughters to whom he claimed to be devoted, supposedly all the time they believed that he made his money from finance. Go figure. Let's take a look at the uh, clip, uh, the trailer for the film right now. You follow orders? You got everything to gain. I'm thankful for my wife, Deborah. She means the world to me. I like the way you take care of me. I'm good at what I do. No, 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 get linked up! What about leaving witnesses at a murder scene? So is it my lucky day or my last? You got a second? I'm trying to be my partner. You take care of the details, I do the hits. They're looking for the Iceman. How to charge your royalties for headlines like that. You're doing hits behind my back? Poor sons of bitches thinking that dad's a decent guy. See you at your school. I'm gonna bury your whole family. What's going on with you? So, uh, I think, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Michael Shannon. All right. Hello. Hey, how are you doing, Michael? Thank you. Thank you, man. Have a seat. Got some water there. 
if you'd like it. It's very good water. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for coming along today. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a great pleasure to meet you. I've uh, been an admirer of your stuff for many years now. I suppose I was introduced to you actually uh, via Boardwalk Empire, oh, like okay. a lot of people. Yeah. And um, I suppose that character agent, Van Alden, there, uh, in many ways encapsulates a lot of the qualities that you bring to uh, a lot of your portrayals, that sort of manic intensity. I mean, these are words that you must be bored of hearing, though, now, are you? Or do you, do you get irritated when people that sort of... That manic street intensity? Yeah, yeah, like no. the... Uh, yes, I, uh, I don't mind being called manic or intense. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> but Van Alden, honestly, was a bit of a shock to me. When I met with uh, Terrence Winter and Scorsese... Uh, Terry pitched the character as being kind of the, uh, maybe not the protagonist, but uh, the avenging angel of the show. A uh, very righteous, good man who really wanted to smash the scourge of alcohol. And uh, I had no idea that by the end of season one, I would have completely abandoned any hope and sunk into the depths of despair that, that I did. I thought I'd kind of like come on and arrest somebody every week, but it uh, didn't really work out that way. Um, but a lot of your characters do tend to be these people who, in their minds, are sort of convinced they're going one way and then end up going quite another. Like they're confused in a lot of ways. Richard Kuklinski, who you play in The Iceman, uh, can be viewed like in two quite separate ways. Either he's a sort of irredeemable psychopath with some vaguely redeeming qualities or he's a sort of, uh, at heart, maybe a nice guy who's, who happens to, uh, you know, kill people for a living. Um, how, how did you approach him? How did you think about him? Because this is a real guy with a, a documentary, an HBO documentary that was made in the early 90s. Uh, that well, introduced yeah, a lot of people for me, him. I mean, for me, doing the movie, it was partly a biopic, partly about Kuklinski. I mean, largely about Kuklinski. Kuklinski, but for me, in terms of my interest in it, <clears throat> I was also interested in it because, and I know this makes me sound like a complete wackadoo to a lot of people, but uh, I think there are, not everybody in the world, but there, there are certain people in the world that make uh, their salary, uh, their financial well-being off of the misfortune of other people. I mean, I've, I've heard this theory thrown around. Uh, by e economists and journalists and whatnot. Uh, it seems to be something that's going on in the world. So I, I looked at this particular story as an exaggerated version of that. I mean, because there, there are people that do that, and then they, they take the money, and they go, they pay all their bills, and they kiss all their kids on the forehead and tell them they love them and tuck them into bed. And it's, it's something that seems to be happening in the world right now that I don't really understand. So I was interested in putting this story up on the screen as sort of an exacerbated uh, version of that. Because this, even though it is ostensibly a biopic, this is not like the authoritative version of Richard Kuklinski's life by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's, it's inspired by it, really. Right. Um, now, I was saying to you uh, before you came on stage, that I'm not really a film journalist or a critic as such. Mm. So uh, I hope... Neither you know, are they. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so um, we're going to switch over to my uh, keynote project right now, Control Tower. There All we right. go. 
And uh, so these are these Please are some don't genuine. Please play the trailer again. Uh, no, not just <laughs> okay, yet. We'll good. play lots of clips later Thank on. You. These are some genuine comments, as I say, okay. that I found uh, beneath the comment. We'll start off with one from Kathy J. Uh, Kathy J. Good old Kathy J. And uh, she has this to say. It's very positive. Uh, just saw this movie today. Love the cast. Michael Sh Michael Shannon performance is. Where's she going to go with it? Unforgettable. Oh, nice. It's a thumbs up from Kathy J. So that's lucky. You're um, really good at building tension and suspense. Well, I, d I, I thought that it would be too tense if I yeah. left it too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, plus, I want to start you off on the, on the positive ones. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Torchomp fan. He's a massive fan of Mr. Torchomp. Who is that? He's a Pokemon guy. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm eagerly awaiting this yeah. in this comment. Uh, well, he says, is, look, is looks like a contender for best picture on next year's Oscars. And that's from Mr. Torchomp fan. Come on. I don't, I don't see that happening. That is a massive vote of confidence from I Mr. Do. Torchomp I, fan. I, I'm not discrediting his opinion. I'm just saying... He's called you know, them right a lot of the every year. The Academy are uh, uh, older... Citizens uh -huh. and are uh, I, I think this movie might be a little uh, too upsetting. Yeah, you know. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, it would be a real surprise to me if that happened. I would, I would be shocked. We'll wait and see uh, if Mr. Torchomp fan is proved right. Monk Sally, mm. she's a monk, uh, <laughs> says uh, Winona Ryder is playing a mom. My God, I feel old. <laughs> Uh, to which Kevy Two replies, "She's 41 <laughs> years old, dude. She should be playing a grandmother." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's she, all relative. I yeah, guess, yeah. Is yeah. Um, she even? Uh, she's she's the same age as you, or, or maybe a tiny bit older, isn't she? She's a little bit older than me. Yeah. She reminded me of that every day on set. Right. She said, "Look, I'm a little older than you." Uh, and I saw her talking about doing the film and saying that. She chose to find out as little as possible, really, about the, the, the film as a whole and concentrated just on her lines. So, so your scenes together, were they just... You wouldn't really talk about what, what was going on in the rest of well, the film? Well, it's a little... Yeah, she didn't want to read the scenes about me, like, killing people and doing what I do because she's playing a woman who apparently had no idea what her husband did for a living, um, which she found very hard to believe. Um, so it was kind of a struggle for her, but, uh, uh, in order to help her with that, she, and she didn't even show up until we finished shooting pretty much all of that stuff. We yeah. shot that stuff first and then we shot the family part. So, um, but there's a suggestion in the film, uh, when she's in the hospital mm -hmm. looking after the daughter and uh, upset um, and, and wants to find out who's responsible for hurting the daughter. Right. This is a suggestion that she sort of knows what you're capable of. I, well, I should make a clarification. I, I don't think, I think it was obvious to anybody that Kuklinski was associated with mob activity. Uh, I mean, for example, the scene where she explains to my friends what I do for a living, she's basically describing money laundering. That's what currency exchange is. So I, I don't think the idea is that she thought I wasn't a criminal or that I didn't mix with the mob. 
it was just the the actual murders were right. a, a shock to her. Yeah, I think, but it's hard to know. Uh, this is a very elusive story uh, because you never really know who to believe. You never know when Kuklinski's telling the truth in the interviews. He contradicts himself all the time. I mean, you're talking about a guy when the interviewer asks, well, how many people did you kill? He's like, well, somewhere between 100 and 200. That's a very vague uh, statement. Uh, that's like saying, you know, I, uh, my football team won 10 or 20 matches last year. It's a, bi- you know, it's a big freaking difference. So... Um, and then the woman, uh, uh, her real name is Barbara. Uh, she, uh, I mean, you see her in the interviews on HBO, and uh, she seems very sincere. Uh, it's hard not to believe her when she says she didn't know what was happening. Uh, so she didn't really want to have anything to, to do with this, and mm-hmm. she kind of disappeared. So, But... Uh, it's that's why I said it, like earlier to to say that this is a completely accurate rendering of what happened would be foolhardy. I think. Right. Um, well, we have a, a comment here from Ted Grimm, who says, "Looks good, the film." Uh, as always, I wonder beforehand how much literary license will be taken opposite the book. Uh, he's talking about the. Uh, uh, well, that's, bo- see, that's an, in and of itself, that's an interesting statement because yeah. there are two books. Right. And according to my director, I started reading one of them, and the director said, oh, you're reading the wrong one. Which was the one that you read then? Because there's the... I think I was reading... I don't Look, I don't the, even want to say out loud which one I was reading because that could get me into a, a lot of trouble. Okay. All I'll say is I was reading book A... And he said, oh, book A is full of lies. You should be reading book B. Ah. And I said, I tell you what, I won't read either one of them, and I'll just watch the interview and listen to the guy talk, and I'll go off that. So right. that's what I did. Right, there you go. But, um, I mean, as you, as you were saying, though, this is a version of the events. It's sort of inspired by uh, the anecdotes, I suppose you could call them, in there. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, look, I got an unedited copy of this interview that he did. It's over 20 hours long. And for 18 of those hours, like what you see on HBO is like an hour long. They edited it together. So the other, there's another hour of interesting stuff that HBO didn't put in there because it wasn't about killing. It was about like what his hobbies were. And then the other 18 hours are him either saying, I don't know, I don't remember, or I don't want to talk about that. So it's very hard <laughs> to make a, a comprehensive study of somebody's life whose three favorite sentences are, I don't know, I don't remember, and I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. So. Let's have another question. Uh, only way to know is to go and see it. Uh, Ted Grimm decides. <laughs> there he is, anticipating the joy uh, with his little quiff there on top. Uh, Shank Marvin, uh, he was in The Scary Shadows, says, uh, not sure if any movie can be as scary as the real Kuklinski. Those HBO tapes are about as chilling as it gets. Most killers are sloppy and usually chasing some high, but when they are as intelligent, calculating, violent, and cold-blooded as Kuklinski, then you had a real problem on your hands if he was after you. Is this his dissertation? Yeah. What the hell's going on? There's quite a lot of long essays under the uh, thing. Having said all that, he does start to grow on you when you watch the tapes. And he did seem to at least live by some code of ethics relative to his situation, of course. Uh, I mean, that's the thing, is it? Uh, and in the, um, in the film, he talks about 
not t wanting to kill women or children. Um, but really they don't taste as good. <laughs> well, the the funny thing is, is that as intelligent, calculating, violent, and cold-blooded as Kuklinski was, the fellow that Chris Evans plays was even more so. Mr. Softy or yeah. Mr. Freezy in the... Yeah, because Kuklinski would, like, you know, shoot a guy or get violent or whatever, but Prange was like, you know what I do? I just, I just spray cyanide in their face, and they don't even know what happens, and then they die. And there's no, like, emotional out release or catharsis or anything. It's just like... Like, they would literally, they would start talking about just ways to walk past somebody and kill them mm. without them even knowing it. And he picked that all up from uh, from Robert. And that guy was really tweaked. He was a Vietnam vet, very troubled individual. But, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he is a complicated guy. I, I, I mean, for my money, I would, I would not have had any interest in making a film if I didn't feel like, he was complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he did have ethics. And he regretted, you know, there's a scene in a movie, a very famous story he tells that I feel like he really, really haunted him. There are things he did that haunted him his whole life. And that he really, he knew, he was not completely ignorant of, of right and wrong. Well, in the trailer, there's the moment with James Franco when he gives him half an hour or 10 minutes or whatever it is to pray. Right, right, right. He's sort of aware. James Franco is saying, no, don't kill me. And he's saying, oh, please, God, please, God. He's like, oh, well, God, you know, if you're interested in God, then let's give him half an hour and see if he comes and saves you. Right. And, of course, nothing happens. And he right. says, well, maybe God was busy. And that's the bit that he says in the HBO documentary that he genuinely regrets. Yeah. Why do you think he would regret that, apart from, you know, as opposed to anything else? Well... I think honestly, he probably regretted it because he knew that for that that period of time, that that man was going to have some hope, and he knew that that there wasn't any hope. And it's unfortunately, I, I think in a movie, it's not quite as. Um, Oh, I don't know how to say this diplomatically. Uh, it's not quite as... The force of that event isn't quite as uh, huge as it may have been in real life. Just because I don't have an actual gun with actual bullets. And James Franco knows at the end of the day that he's going back to film school or wherever it is that he's right. going. So it may not have had the full wallop it should have. But uh, live and learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, f uh, Fofo Johnson, 13, the 13th of the Fofo Johnsons, yeah. says, unlike other serial killers, Kuklinski was not just a loner with mental problems. For many years, he lived the outward life of a loving family man, uh, while at the same time secretly being a contract killer. It is the family connection that tends to draw people to liking him, despite his murderous background. Uh, he, he is, look at his sexy, murderous background. Um, he was, in my opinion, the best camouflage serial killer in American history, considering how long he got away with it. Plus, he never had sex with or eat any of his victims. Just a thought. So he wasn't such a bad guy. Did you write these? I swear, these are, these are genuine. You know, oh. uh, yeah, because that's going too far, isn't it? Having sex and eating your victims is... Um, is he, did have, he did have a fellow that he took to... Uh, 
this little cave he knew about in the woods, and uh, he left them there. I think it was tie. He was tied down. The fellow was tied down. He was still alive when he left them there, and he knew that the, at night in this cave the rats would come out, and the the rats uh, ate this guy. He nice. came back in the morning, and he was all all gobbled up by rats. So, but he didn't have sex with him, <laughs> or the rats, or the rats. Yeah. So. He's, he's all right. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. a thought, eh? Uh, Bo, Bo Hansmorton says, uh, I can't help, and this is a sort of a serious point, I suppose, I can't help thinking, uh, I can't help but think the cold-bloodedness of Hollywood. Think about the cold-bloodedness of Hollywood, I guess he means there. Uh, their constant reality violence and nazis. <laughs> They're obsessed by nazis. Um, but uh, what is up with the fixation on all the bull crap? Uh, we all don't want to come near. So that's a, that's quite a big question there. What is up? What is up with that? And uh, why why they all fixated on nazis and bull crap <laughs> that we don't want to come near? I mean, uh, he's put it in a humorous way there, but there's a serious point underneath there. What is the ongoing fascination with? Um, you know, uh, portraying some people, there's some of the comments underneath this are like, don't even make a film about someone like this. Stay away from it. What do you think? Well, the I think it's, I think that's overly simplistic. I mean, look, movies have genres. These genres have existed for decades. There are crime movies, there are romantic comedies, there are westerns, there's science fiction movies. Films about you nazis. could argue they're what? Films about nazis. Nazis, exactly. World War II movies. Um, you could argue that any of these genres uh, do not need to exist anymore, um, and you could argue the importance or worth of any of them. I mean, you could actually argue that maybe the world would be better off if nobody ever made another movie ever again. So, Spencer I think that's uh, there's, there's a few directors that. That's true of. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not essential, but I, I don't know. People like to watch movies. I, I, don't, I don't blame the movies for, for what happens in the real world. Mm. I don't think, and I don't think anybody, based, based on my seeing, I've seen the movie twice, and I don't get the impression anybody's going to see the movie and, say, oh, I should go kill somebody. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun. I mean, if anything, I, I think Richard Kuklinski, one thing I think is kind of indisputable is that he had a very sad, anxious, stressful life. I don't think he was a happy person. I definitely don't think he died a happy person. And uh, so I don't think it's condoning or recommending this lifestyle to anyone. I, why people find it interesting, I don't know. I've already explained why I thought it was interesting. I think it's a more extreme person uh, version of a conundrum that exists that, unfortunately, it seems like in order to for some people to make a living, they have other people have to suffer. And I, I, I don't know why that is. Why do you think you're... Um a cast in those roles and be so good at portraying a, a lot of those roles you know uh well i'll tell you richard kuklinski is the first hit man i have ever played in my entire acting career i've never played another hit man mm -hmm. i suppose when i say that i'm talking about people who are 
um, well, they've got a sort of malevolent streak, but they're struggling with it. They're not sort of one-dimensional monsters ever, your characters, but they are people who are frightening because at any moment they, uh, they appear to have the, the capacity to just sort of explode with rage or violence and sometimes do, sometimes don't. Hmm. Um, is that, I mean, are you personally, it's, <laughs> it's obviously simplistic to think that that's what an actor is like, but that's the temptation when an audience is watching an actor being so good playing those roles, they think, oh, well, probably that's what he's like. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't really know how to answer that. I mean, I've never been arrested for anything. Uh, I haven't physically assaulted anyone but are you are you uh, are you i mean i'm not i don't think i'm suggesting that that's exactly what you're like but right. um are you in are you fascinated by those people per se or I, I look i know this is frustrating because i know everybody sees some big huge through line throughout my entire career but i swear on a stack of bibles i think every character i play is completely different i don't know how else to say it i get asked this question a bazillion times, yeah. and I've answered it every possible way I can think to answer it, and I don't see a through line. I really don't. Yeah. And then maybe I'm an oblivious idiot, but I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, all I know to say is that the essence of drama is conflict. I would play a perfectly nice guy who didn't have any problems if I thought anybody in the world would want to sit and watch that for an hour and a half. But would you want to see that? Is that what people want to see me do? is just sit there and be like, everything's great. I'm so happy. This is awesome. The end. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? That's you're making a drama. You're making... It's like the same reason people like to stare at fire. They want to see something... Yeah, but it's, it's not, uh, you know, you can have drama without all the characters being pregnant with menace. And that is something that is common to... But I'm not, I, I don't I'm not saying that, that all your characters are like that. I'm just saying that, that, that a few I memorable mean, you ones You take something been. like Take Shelter. Curtis is a very normal person mm. at the beginning of that movie. He has an incredibly mundane job. He's a, he mines sand. Uh, he has a very normal house in a very normal little town in America, and he starts having some bad dreams that freak him out. And, you know, to me, that's not... That's nothing like the Iceman. It's oh, no. nothing like Boardwalk Empire. No. Or it's nothing like uh, The Runaways with Kim Fally, who's just a freak who cares about music and is kind of filthy-minded. Like, none of those... I don't see, every time I pick up a script, I'm like, wow, this person is so interesting. I'm like, when I picked this up, I was like, I've never done anything like this. And then inevitably, it's like, so how come you always play the same character over and over again? I just don't, I don't get it. it it's, it oh, I, ho me. I hope that's not how um, my comments came across, because I don't think that you at all. You want to fight? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, I think, I, I don't think you do play the same character, but there, but there is, uh, there is, you know, it's not, it's not reductive to say there is a thing that you do very well. Do you know what I mean? I don't hmm. think. What, like the flipping out? Um, well you do, I mean, you do flip out very well. I'm not saying you always do. I don't want you to do it now, for example. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you do have I a menacing... I wouldn't flip out in an Apple store. I'm smarter than that. <laughs> no, you wouldn't get your yeah. free iPod. Yeah. Um, but um, let's, let, let's leave this for the moment, no, shall no, we? No, no, no. I want to explore this. All right. Because... I, I really need to get to the bottom of this for well, my it's own I mean, it, it's just that um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm an irascible fella. What can I they say? It's in my it's in yeah. my bloodline. Right. I uh, I come from a, a long lineage of potheads. Yes. Is that true? Yeah. Well, um, I know that you're a father. I'm a father as well. Yeah. And it occurred to me Prove that. Prove it. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, kidding. It, the, the reason I mentioned that though is that as a father, it sort of occurs to me that some of the time. You know, it's an acting challenge, you know what I mean? I don't know if you feel this, but with, f for me, especially when you have to play the disciplinarian, that's not really in my genes to be right. stern and... a uh, child. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I have to kind of do a bit of mock uh, fearsomeness and give them a, a scary stare in order to make them do exactly what I want and or maybe stop them doing things that they shouldn't be doing you know what I mean right, right. and inside inside you're sort of thinking this is they must know that I'm putting this on they see through it yeah. yeah 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 um do I mean do you feel like that or are you able to muster uh convincing menace better than I am you know what it is ultimately and I honestly I think I even feel this with Kuklinski which I can't believe I'm saying this because Someone had to bring it back around. No, to no, the no, no, no. But I, 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 this could be totally misinterpreted. I'm not saying that me and Kuklinski are similar in any way, shape, or form. But I do think that a lot of this menace business is actually the, the byproduct of an extreme sensitivity. Like, I, I am an extremely sensitive person. And I'm hyper aware of everything around me. And I have been my whole life. And... Uh, to to point of that of uncomfortability, and I feel like that Richard had that same thing where he's just, you know, he was a very um, still person. I talked to a guy once who who met him. This guy was a drummer at a nightclub in New Jersey, and 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 one night, uh, the singer that he was drumming for came in with Kuklinski and said, "You remember those guys that were bugging me last week?" Well, I brought Richie here, and if those guys come back, they're screwed, because Richie's going to... And, and this drummer says that uh, Richard shook his hand and just kind of stared in his eyes, stared at him, and then went and sat down in a chair for two hours. He didn't say a word to anybody, just kept looking around the room. The people never came, and then he got up and left. And that he was like, he was like an animal. He was just completely hyper-aware of everything, and you felt like... He said when he, when he looked at me, it felt like he was just looking through me. It was like he was looking in, inside of, you know. And so I, 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 I think that's, that's part of this, this menace is just this hyper-awareness combined with this real sensitivity to things. A part of my own ability to be, I don't know, volatile or whatever. It's just, mm -hmm. I'm just responding to whoever I'm working with, or the story, or the words, or the situation. You know. Let's take an, uh, a look at uh, another comment here from one of the YouTubers. And this one is from Blamf36, who says, I've been waiting years for this movie to come out. And they cast an actor who looks nothing like Kuklinski. I am bumbed big time. <laughs> You have made him bumbed. I, I actually couldn't agree with this guy more. I, 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 I don't look anything like Kuklinski. How dare you play someone you look nothing like. I know. Um, well, you know, honestly, uh, when I watched the interview, one of the first things you see is him walking down the hallway 
getting walked to the interview chamber or whatever, yeah. and he's in his shackles, and he's he's enormous. And, like, I'm not a, you know, I'm kind of tall or whatever, but I, I just looked at him like, I'm like a dwarf next to this guy, and he's just wide, and his hands are massive, and and I, I just felt like, I, I felt puny. I didn't, I didn't feel... To describe Kuklinski to someone who's never seen him before, he uh, looks to me like a sort of chunky version of James Lipton from Inside the Actors Studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, you're lucky he's not alive. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Not Lipton. Uh, yeah, he would. No, it's true. It's true. He does. He does, he does look like that a little bit. Um, but uh, I don't did, know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't think of an actor that does look like Kuklinski. Yeah. But was there, was there any, at any point... That Maybe Sean Penn should have done it. Right. He, he can really shape-shift. Uh-huh. Um, Did you have any discussions at any point about building you up or putting, you know, a body... I'm wearing, a, like, a fat pad through most of the movie, but uh -huh. it's, it's basically like a Halloween costume. It's ridiculous. Uh -huh. You can't even tell that I'm wearing it. I did, I did go through the trouble of wearing an awful lot of fake facial hair, which yes. is... A, Gigantic pain in the cojones. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you d I mean, you don't look unlike him, and you certainly capture his essence, and that's really the main thing, isn't it? That's uh, what the perfume company said. Yeah. <laughs> essence yeah. of Kuklinski. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a popular one. Yeah. Uh, and finally, for these comments, I thought I'd end with uh, Ori McGee uh, uh, saying, Shannon is surely one of the greatest living actors today. Yay! On. Come on! Get I thought because I, you know, I thought I'd end on a on, a, on an uplifting note. On an uplifting one on there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to flip out on you, man. I, I feel bad now. I no, feel like no. there's. L listen, it was it, it, an edge. I was sort of trying to tiptoe. No, no, no. I was trying to tiptoe around or or sort of shift the. Uh, responsibility for asking that question to the YouTubers, just because it is such a, I mean, it's such a tedious and obvious question to ask you. People want to know. But, but it is something, yeah, you know, you're sort of uh, intrigued, I suppose, or at least I, I'm intrigued. I apologize to people who... No, it's an insight, though, uh, that uh, somebody somewhere might find interesting, is that actually I, I, I do a lot more theater than anything. Right. And my favorite theater is Theater of the Absurd, and it's because it can constantly change uh, on, on a dime uh, without being so stuck in some narrative form. You know, that it just feels a lot more like life because I feel like life is essentially completely absurd. So, um, and that a lot of these stories, even though they seem very volatile uh, in their context or whatnot, I'm, what I'm drawn to is the that absurdity more than anything. Should we take a look at, uh, oh. Okay. It's country, it's, 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 it's hoedown time. time. Come on. Should we take let's, a let's look? Let's do some line dancing. <laughs> at uh, another clip uh, from the film right from now. From the Iceman? From the Iceman, yes. Yeah. Fucking guys, cold as ice. Come on, you gotta feel something for somebody. Get a girlfriend? I'm married. Then why do you act like you don't give a shit? What do you want? Clothes in the porn lab. 
sorry, but you're out of a job. You can follow orders. You got everything to gain. We'll put the bum out of his misery. If you don't have it in you, now's the time to say it. You know what's funny? It's the guy sitting next to me in the back seat is John Ventimiglia, an actor named John Ventimiglia. And if you've seen a movie called Jesus' Son, which was a movie I made a long time ago, in that movie I, I shoot him in the stomach. And there I am all these years later, sitting in the backseat of his car. And I think you, do you shoot him again even in that film? No, no, he gets bumped in off this, by someone else. In this, I missed him with the cyanide. Right, exactly. In the but uh, yeah, it was just so weird after all those years yeah. to see him again. And, uh, that was a while. That was. And there's yeah. Ross, of course, in the uh, Ross. front seat. I know David. I did a I did a play with David in Chicago at his theater, Looking Glass. Yeah. So I've known him. Yeah, the only person in that car I didn't know was Ray Liotta. Oh yes. How was that uh, working with him? It he looks really intense. Is that what he's like in real life? I'm joking. <laughs> He's he's a furnace of calamity. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> he's uh he's very intense, but he's very he's very funny. He, he's fun to work with because he's you just and I know this is such a cliche, but you honestly you just don't know what he's gonna freaking do when yeah. the camera's rolling. He'll do th the weirdest stuff, and you or like right before a take, he'll just say something completely bizarre, and just throw everybody, you know. He's very much about trying to find the, the moment, you know, being present and all that. Um, and, I mean, you've worked with uh, Werner Herzog uh, a few times as well. So he strikes me as someone who's not totally different to that as well. Like, he, he, isn't he quite uh, an unpredictable character? Uh, no, not really. I mean, Werner... Uh, I don't know. The the experience I had with Werner, at least on the, what what I did with him, is that he knows exactly kind of what he wants. He'll you'll show up to do a scene, and you go on set, and he'll come and he'll be like, you know, so this is what's going to happen. You're going to sit here, and she's going to sit there, and then you're going to say this, and you're going to stand up, and you're going to walk over there. He'll like act the scene out, like act all the parts out, and it'll be like. And it, and then you basically stay there until you do it basically exactly the way he showed you right. how he wanted you to do it. Have you seen uh, the documentary My Best Fiend about his relationship I, I, I've, with... I've uh, seen bits and pieces of it. Klaus I haven't, I haven't seen the whole thing. Oh, it's good. I recommend it. You know what's really good, though, is, is I watched on the plane over here is Jack Reacher. Right. Where he plays uh, That's the man right. who ate yeah. his own fingers off in <laughs> Siberia. Yeah, it was very strange to see him popping up in that. I like... It was so funny because, well, I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it, but uh, it was just really weird seeing Tom Cruise and, and Werner Herzog yeah. together. That's it. He should do more villainous roles. He's pretty good. Actually, I think 
Herzog should have played Jack Reacher, and Tom Cruise <laughs> should have played the, the, the Zick or the, whatever that is. The milky-eyed, fingerless yeah. villain. Yeah. Can you imagine Tom Cruise saying, I chewed all my fingers off in a Siberian prison? I'd like prison. to see him, yeah, and doing the yeah. accent as well, the yeah. Werner Herzog yeah. accent. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And uh, talking yeah. about murder. And yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> if anyone has any questions that they'd like to ask Michael, now's probably a good time to do so. If you have something you'd like to ask, you don't have to. We can move on very quickly if you don't. But raise your hand if you would like to ask a question. This gentleman over here, hang on one second, we're going to get a microphone to you. Uh, what's your name, sir? Tom. Hey, Tom. Hi. Um, earlier on, you talked about uh, reading in preparation for the Iceman. I was wondering for Man of Steel if you've read anything um, any comics for that, what you've read, and if there's anything you'd like to see in future Superman or Justice League films? Uh, I, I Actually, I didn't really... I, I stayed away from the comic books for that. I, I just went off the, the script and, uh, and Zach's vision of the thing. You know, He had a lot of art that he had made, storybook, uh, storyboards and paintings and pictures and... Actually, a lot of the preparation for doing the film was largely physical uh, in terms of training, stunt work. Uh, we'd spent months, you know, the, I remember the first day I actually showed up on set and had a line. I was like, oh, this is what I do. That's right. I, I say lines. I thought I was, had become a weightlifter or something. Um, so it was kind of a shock. But, yeah, the, the comics... I, uh, I I didn't yeah I didn't really revert to those because you know ultimately no matter what I read the script was going to be the script it's not like I could go in with an issue and say hey but look what happens in this they'd be like you know Zod wouldn't here. do that yeah 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 so I felt like it was best to just stick to their vision do you, of it do you say Neil before Zod in the film not in the film no do you not but in just in life yeah think, yeah sure why wouldn't you. From now on, you're going to be saying it a lot, I think. No, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I have a lot of reverence for uh, Terrence Stamp's uh, portrayal, and I wouldn't want to. That's his. That's his thing. I, I, my thing is, is different. My guy isn't really actually that interested in forcing anybody to do anything. He just wants Krypton to be a great place to live. Sure, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, does anyone else have a question for Michael? Yes, sir. Hang on one second. We'll get a mic to you. What's your name? Uh, Reese. Hello, Reese. Hello. Um, I'm a massive fan of Bulwark Empire, and I oh, think cool. you're uh, absolutely amazing in it. And you. you touched on before uh, how much the character changed within just the first season alone. Do you see him kind of... Obviously, there's a big, uh, some more big changes happened last season. Do you see the character kind of moving even further away, or are we kind of starting to get back to his uh, crusade against... Uh, I guess everything he's, he's for, but in a slightly different way coming soon. Because he's been quite, I mean, he's confused. <laughs> he's been a little confused. Yeah. You know, I honestly, I, I, I don't know. I mean, being on the show is like, it's like in those movies where they blindfold you and take you to a secret location and you don't know where you are and you're disoriented, that's what it's kind of like. You, I have no idea where the show is going, what direction my character's going in, what's going to happen. There are very few people that know. 
and honestly, it, 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 they, uh, everything happens so last minute. Like you, you get your scenes a couple of days before you start shooting them for a particular episode. So it's, it's really hard to know what, where it's heading towards. I mean, I would certainly hope so. Because um, I, I, otherwise, I don't really know what the point of the character is. If he just keeps descending and descending into a worse and worse situation, then what? I don't know, I, what's the story? I don't know. But I really I don't have any answer to that. I, I'm as clueless as anybody else. Um, let's take one more question. That's all we have time for. Uh, uh, you, so I think you put your hand up first over there. Uh, we'll just get the uh, microphone to you. Um, are there any actors that you haven't worked with yet that you have a hankering that, you know, I'd like to work with him or her? Uh, I like Vincent Cassell a lot. And also, there's another French actor. I don't know how to say his name right. But he was in Rust and Bone. Uh, Matt, Matthew, do you know how to say it? Does anybody know how to What? That's it, that guy, that guy, he's amazing. Ma really uh, that's, what was his name again, Matthias Schoenert. Um, I've worked with Christopher Walken, so I, I don't really have that it problem, but it, w it was in Kangaroo Jack, so maybe he'll <laughs> give, me, give me another chance someday. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, it's more directors, honestly. It's more like directors I want to work with. I'd love to work with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I thought he was in The Master. He was really amazing in that movie. And which directors um, are you thinking about when you talk about directors? Well, like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is right. pretty high on that list. Uh, uh, Michael Haneke, I like to work with him. Um, you could do a light comedy together, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. No, we're going to make the sequel to Caché. <laughs> yeah, I, you, where you find out, yeah. No, um, <coughs> yeah, uh, what other directors? I really wanted to work with Kozlowski, but he's dead. Bastard. Yeah. He's very selfish. Yeah. Um, well, I would like to work with David Lynch. I, I, I well, he produced the um, Herzog. Uh, he the executive produced it. Right. The producer of the Herzog movie is is basically David's uh, business partner. Oh, I see. Right. Eric. Uh, <laughs> Eric. And. Uh, so, strange name. Yeah, uh, Eric. Eric. And uh, I, I think Lynch basically was like, uh, you know, I'll, I will be, I will help you in any way I can. Which meant putting his name on the poster. Right. Yeah. Um, so, okay. And people, at, when we were at Venice, and people asked Werner, was like, so how did Lynch's uh, involvement influence you? Lynch has no influence on me. I influenced Lynch. Lynch <laughs> learned from me. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So. Um, well, I think that's all we have time for today, Michael. But uh, thank you very much indeed thank for you. coming Thanks in. Thanks for talking. having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks.